Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio tonight. So glad you joined us for this episode of HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, your hosts in studio, connect with us during the show at Hope at HopeNet360.com. Or connect on Facebook and Twitter. HopeNet360 is our name on both of those. So we'd love to hear from you tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about setting vision for the future. And if you're a young person, a teenager, you're not going to want to tune out on this one. This is a really great episode. Joining us in studio, Jake Spielbauer. He is the youth pastor at LifeBridge Christian Church. And he's also director of Ignite Cafe and Ignite Youth Ministries. Is that correct? That's correct. And so he's joining us. Welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, I'm glad to be here. It's awesome to be on HopeNet Radio. I'm glad to be joining you guys. Cool. So uh, I want to start in on this conversation a little bit and just talk a little bit about your story. So Jake Spielbauer, who are you? I mean, what's what's going on in your home? What's your family life like? Uh, let, me, uh, let me do this a little bit better. Jake, would you just share a little bit about yourself, some of your story, maybe some of like your past and why you decided to become a youth pastor? Right. Well, that's a long and crazy road, man. And <laughs> I always say that God is the best storyteller and he just writes cool stories and it has nothing to do with me, but man, it just goes towards the author. He's a pretty awesome storyteller and man, my story has been a crazy one. Um, I was born and raised here in Green Bay. I love it here. This is my hometown. Um, my wife and I live here with our three kids, Riley, Judah, and Waverly. They're little, so our house is insane right now. But uh, a little bit about my story. Man, I grew up in church. Uh, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior probably in about fourth or fifth grade and lived a pretty typical youth group kid life. I uh, grew up around church, going to youth group every week, being a part of the kids' ministry, all that stuff. And I think all on the way, man, I think God was working in my life, but I don't think I ever really came to a place where I really owned that decision. And, you know, it kind of applies a little bit to our topic today, this idea of vision that, man, I knew that I wanted God to play a role in my life, but I didn't really have a vision for the future about how that looked or how God was going to take control. And I just don't know that I ever really had took that step of having a faith that was really personal and deep and real, where I came to just really know who God was and what he wanted for my life. And certainly never had an understanding, I think, of really what my purpose was. And so that led me down a crazy path. You know, I was involved in Bible studies in high school and all that stuff, kind of your typical don't drink, don't do drugs, don't have sex before you're married. That was my faith, you know, it was a bunch of rules. And when I got to college, man, that just blew up right in my face. You know, my faith had been all about why not to drink, why not to do drugs. But then, man, I just saw people doing all those things, and they seemed like they were having a pretty good time doing it. So, you know, first semester of my freshman year of college, I sat in the dorm and, you know, tried to hold my ground. But, man, I just got sick of being the only kid in the dorm that wasn't going out, wasn't partying, all that stuff. And Really, like I said, my faith wasn't really real to me yet, and so I didn't really understand why I wasn't doing those things. There were just some rules that kind of I had been slave to. And so, man, one night I just said, 
I'm done with it. I'm going to go out and give this stuff a try. And so um, my friends carried me out, and I started partying. You know, it just was a real quick turnaround. And suddenly those were some things that were taking me down a pretty dark path in my life. And I just went down a really deep, dark kind of hole of sin. And one thing led to another. I struggled with some pretty serious pornography addiction and got deep into uh, alcohol and even tried pot, kind of some of that stuff. And just brought me to a place of just total misery. You know, I kind of went down that path thinking it was going to bring me pleasure and joy. And then the deeper I got, the more despair I felt, I guess, you know, just kind of felt trapped and got into a place of feeling some pretty dark depression and um, actually came to a place in my life where I was pretty, pretty convinced that God had left me and wanted nothing to do with me. That brought me into my sophomore year at college. And, you know, God just hit me. You know, it just hit me one day, and I just remember sitting in my dorm room, you know, for no particular reason, just crying. And I just couldn't stop crying, and I had no idea what was wrong with me, what was going on. And I just, in that moment, uh, I felt God speak a verse to me that just, man, I heard him as clear as daylight. I think, you know, the amount of times that I've heard God speak audibly, probably once in my life that I've really heard him speak audibly. And, man, I do remember him on that day just speaking 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven to me, which said, uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And it just hit me in that moment that I've been living for myself, I've been living a childish life, and it was time for me to grow up and be a man and follow him. And man, that was, that was kind of the turnaround for me. I just, in that moment, I just said, okay, God, I'm done doing it my way. That's led me down a path that really hasn't worked out for me. So I'm going to follow you. And one thing led to another. And as I pursued him, got involved with the church that my wife went to, got to know the youth pastor there real well. And man, God just awakened a a desire in my heart to share my story and and help other young people to understand uh, exactly what I had learned, hopefully not having to go through the same things that I went through, but uh, helping young people to understand what Christ wants to do in their life, how he wants to change their future, Mm -hmm. um, and how God is calling them right now to a life of purpose and meaning and significance. Because those are the things that I didn't have. You know, I I understood that God loved me, but I didn't understand what he wanted to do in my life and how he wanted to use me. Mm -hmm. And so, man, it just makes me passionate now that I want to share that vision with young people and call them to say, hey, it's not too early to start living a life now that has an impact. It's not too early now to live a life that really does change the lives of people around you and uh, not just live a life where you have a different future through Christ, but live a life where your life impacts the future of others because of the purpose that God's called you to. So, yeah, man, that's a little bit about the path that God brought me down. Um, after I graduated college, we moved right back up here to Green Bay, um, and uh, I've been doing youth ministry full-time for going on five years now, um, and I've I've been really fulfilled by it, and I'm glad to be able to be working in this area to make God's glory known, brother. As I hear you talk, I think, you know, there's, there's got to be some young people listening saying, you know, that's me, man. I mean, I am doing all the right things, and I am as miserable as a person can be. And I'm looking at other people around me, and they seem to be having all the answers and all the fun, and I'm being left out. And, and yet they, they kind of think this Christianity thing is really about that, those, those moments of just, Dying to self, and, and they are about dying to self. But it, here's kind of how I capsulize it. I want to. I'd love to hear your comment on this. I, I think that, that most times, growing up in America, we have become people who think that Christianity is an arrangement with God. I do this, you do this. I do this, you do that. 
And, and we've lost the aspect of it being a relationship with God, it, which, which is more of a response back and forth as we understand who God is and we understand his love. People are doing that in marriages. I mean, they have an arrangement. They, they kind of do this and that. If it doesn't work, they just get out of it and do another arrangement. And really, Christianity isn't an arrangement. It's a relationship. Can, can you address that at all? Yeah, I, I think one thing that sticks out actually was just having this conversation yesterday that God didn't come to save good people. He came to make dead people alive and to help the worst of the worst <laughs> to be the good that they can't be. Um, you know, it's not about God has this kind of give and take thing where we give a little bit, then he gives a little bit. And if we please him by doing the right things, then, you know, he's kind of like a genie bottle that we can rub and he'll respond by giving us what we want. The reality is he's already done it all. And so that frees us up. I think the beauty of, yeah, I mean, there is a contract. I mean, we call it a covenant. God has made a covenant with us, but the covenant's pretty good for us in that, man, he's already done the work, mm-hmm. and we have the freedom now to live that way. We don't live a certain way. Don't, we don't live according to the rules because God's made us just slaves to a, a list of legal demands now. And we live this way because, man, look at what God's done for me. I remember now for me looking back on my life, I look back on that moment in my dorm room, and I remember, you know, I remember those feelings. And I think, man, that's what God has saved me from. That despair, that depression, that lack of hope, man, that's what he saved me from. And man, I'll do whatever he wants now. I'll seek him no matter what it costs me because he's given me hope in a future that I didn't have. And, and so I, I live that lifestyle now, not because I have to or because I think it makes me a good person, and I think that's what it takes for me to get to heaven, but because now I know what he's done for me. I know the faithfulness that he's shown me when I was at my worst, and now I can't help but be grateful for, for how he's changed my life and just respond out of love. And, and really that's what being a disciple of Jesus is all about, is not just conforming to this God who just wants to you know smash your life into shape to fit all these rules, but you know, taking a look at the heart of God who loved you and gave himself for you and, and the fact that you can now have a relationship with him and know him. And, you know, when you think about it that way, we respond to him out of freedom because, man, he's freed us up from what made us slaves to sin. He's freed us up from hopelessness. He's freed us up from being lost and, and despairing and all those things. So, yeah, now I obey God not because I have to, but because, man, I know who he is. He's my father and I love him. Yeah, see, that, that's a tension, I think, that young people and all people really experience. It's the idea of, all right, how many rules do I put in my life? Are they really about rules? Well, when you think about it, when you think about relationships, when you think about loving somebody and thinking what's best for them, you do adjust your life according to what's best. You adjust your life according to what, what is right. And if you want to call those rules, I guess you can. But the bottom line is I, I remember in, in Iraq when we were fighting there, there was an interview going on, and they were talking to some soldiers over there in the they basically said to the Iraqi soldier, what do you think of your new freedom? And there was an American soldier standing right next to him. And, and the Iraqi soldier said, freedom? You call this freedom? You, you guys stop us from going in and, and taking TVs and doing stuff. And, and <laughs> they thought freedom was just going and, and looting the place now because they could get all this stuff for free. But what they didn't understand is that within freedom, there are parameters. There, there are things that keep you free. And, and that's what I think a lot of times we, we misunderstand. We think that that God wants to stop us from really enjoying life and, and, and stop us from uh, having the life we could have when it's the opposite. He wants to put these parameters around us so that we can have life. And, mm-hmm. and I think uh, you, you've expressed that really well. 
Yeah, thanks. And he's put those in place to prevent us from experiencing misery so that we can experience the fullness of joy that comes from having a relationship with him. And he loves us too much to let us go off the road. All right. We'll chat more with Jake here when we come back. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio tonight. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is Hope Net Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to Hope Net Radio tonight. Jeff and DW in studio. Remember, you can connect with us anytime on the show. Email us, hope at hopenet360.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at HopeNet360. If you're listening on podcast, which is on iTunes and also on our website, HopeNet360.com, you can also email us anytime. We read your messages and respond to them. So we'd love to hear from you and any questions, any ideas or thoughts, or maybe you disagree with us on the show. That's totally cool. Uh, we'd love to hear your input as well. Um, tonight we're chatting about vision for your life. And our special guest, Jake Spielbauer from Ignite Youth Ministry. He is joining us in studio to talk about some of these things. So, Jake, you were talking a little bit about your story, and I think a lot of young people can relate to it today, just with the struggles, the temptations, the kind of sorting through, like, what faith really means to you. And so you talked a little bit about your wrestling match with that. You also started to talk a little bit about vision. And, Dave, there's one thing that you've really talked about over the past couple of months as we've been doing the show, and it's talking about setting up good guardrails for your life. And I think that totally fits into setting vision for your life. So, Dave, why don't you just chat a little bit about guardrails and what this means and what this looks like in our day-to-day life. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to a preacher talk, and he was just talking about the significance of the guardrail system. You know, the guardrails aren't there to necessarily stop your view of the edge or anything else. It's there to keep you on safe ground. There's a point where you get to on a road where you can get in great danger. We we had a a van once leave camp. It was a Suburban many years ago in the middle of winter. uh, They were from Milwaukee. And it was in February, but it was one of those February days where there was a thaw happening out there. And when that happens, we know up here that you got to stay off the edges of the road. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you do get in the edge, it's really soft and it grabs your tire. And it's and you, you have a tendency to jerk and get back on the road. And this lady did that. She, she got off onto the edge of the road. She tried to turn quickly and get back on. And she flipped this Suburban. Oh. And everybody flew out of it. I mean, it was like a war zone when I went there and saw it. Oh, wow. The interesting thing is, is that she got too close to the edge. And once she got on the edge... She could not get back. It was disastrous. Mm. And, and what a guardrail is in our lives are, are those things that we put in place so that we cannot get to the edge. So instead, we hit the guardrail. There's something that stops us from getting to that point that's so dangerous. I have some friends that struggle with alcoholism. So their guardrail is no alcohol, not going down the aisle, anything. I mean, that kind of thing that, that sells it. We put guardrails in our life so that we don't get to that point where we get on the edge. And, and I think... Um, as Jake was talking, I was thinking, uh, and as we were talking earlier, that's what we're talking about in some respects. We're not saying that there's got to be these rules that are very strict or whatever. It was interesting, this, this preacher that was talking about it, he said, you know, here's what happens. The guys that have guardrails in their life compared to those who don't, eventually those who don't have the guardrail, they don't set the parameters or they don't set the expectation of their life far enough from the, the disaster zone. They end up going over the edge, and they end up going over the edge together. Mm-hmm. And while they're all flying off the edge, 
they're looking up back at the person standing at the top saying, can you help us now? And we should be that person that can say, yes, I can help you now. I'll, I'll do what I can to get a rope or whatever I can to get you out of this mess. The better thing is set the guardrail up so that you don't end up going over the edge. Again, that's not legalism or rules or laws. That's just wisdom. Right. I, I totally agree. The, vision, the visual that I get, Dave, is sometimes life can be looked at as a bunch of hills and valleys. And if you've ever driven through like the Rocky Mountains or the Appalachian Mountains, you oftentimes are going down a road that has a very steep drop. And you have guardrails that are right on the edge that you can actually see from the road right before it gets to the edge of that, that cliff. But I think what you're saying, Dave, is sometimes, not sometimes, everybody has guardrails in their life. Everybody sets guardrails. Some decide to put it on the side of the road where it's going to protect you from going over the edge. And some put guardrails probably 20 yards down the side of the cliff and hope that they don't fall all the way off the cliff. Would you agree that that's somewhat how people set up their lives? No, absolutely, because what, what we're trying to do is, is you know, it, it seems like we define life as staying out of trouble instead of having an abundance in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think one of the things I'm really concerned about is is something that Jake, you know, it, it talks about as well, is, is the idea of, you know, we've got people that are, are allowing life to kind of take them by surprise and just go with the flow Right. You know, in Romans 12, where it tells us not to be conformed to the world, that is very much like a river analogy to me. In fact, I, I tell young people all the time, get out of the river, man. It'll take you. In other words, if you're not proactive, if you're just going to be passive and say, I'll go wherever culture takes me, wherever, you know, whatever goes on, you, you end up uh, being in a point where, where you cannot get out. There, there's these points of no return. My kids, as they grow up, I used to talk to them about lethal decisions in other words some things aren't going to kill you i mean today if you decide not to eat breakfast you know fine whatever it's probably not going to hurt you at all but i tell you if you go out uh, in the street and you don't look both ways and you're a kid and you get hit by a truck that's hard to repair that that one that one's a little bit more difficult to take care of and and that's where i think we need to set the guardrail system up there are things in life that are hard to repair they're they're hard to fix if you do this wrong and and it would be wise for every young person to have an older person in their life, someone in a different season, that they could bounce things off of that, that could just warn them of some of these things and say, yeah. you know what, I'm not trying to steal your joy. I'm trying to keep you yep. so that you're healthy and you can have a great life. And I'm not trying to see, uh, just keep you out of trouble. I'm trying to give you an abundant life. And, and you've got to start making plans for the future that actually will unfold and give you a future. You know, Jake talked about that with vision, looking forward. And, and some people, because they're not looking forward, they're just in the river going wherever it takes them, and, and they, they don't even know when or how to get out. And just a, a quick note, if you're listening tonight and you're struggling with in some of these areas, maybe setting up good guardrails or maybe you've already gone over the edge a little bit and you're struggling to get back on the road again, you can chat with a live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. Quickly, Jake, I want you just to talk a little bit about how guardrails and young people and this whole concept of vision what do you see in our in our youth culture, Jake? Do young people struggle to find vision in their life today? I think teenagers today, uh, we live in such a, a culture and a society that's so fixated on right now. What do I want right now? What What's going to make me happy right now? Or what's going on in my life right now? That it's really easy for young people to miss that idea of looking forward and looking at the future and, and saying, what is the vision for my life? What is my purpose? Why am I here? 
Where am I going? And, and I think that that's something that we need to be challenging young people to do. And young people need to challenge each other to do is to take a look at their life and say, okay, instead of looking at what's around me, what does God want for me down the road? And where am I going? Because if you think about guardrails, they really, the purpose is to keep you on the course that you've set, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it's easy for us to take a look at the world around us and say, man, that's what I want. And James says that when we sin, we sin because we're lured away by our own desires. Now, mm-hmm. now why does that happen? It, it happens because we lose sight of where we're going. And so it's important for us, like Dave said, I think, you know, having a mentor in your life to help you chart that course is important. But there are definitely steps that young people can take today to chart that course now and say, this is where I want my life to go, to look at the Bible and say, this is how I get there. And, and really, the Bible has to be the number one source of those guardrails. Let me let me know if you agree with this or not. But I, I had one of two visions for my life. Either my life was going to be about me or it was going to be about others. And one of the things that we know about being a Christian is that you constantly have to die to yourself. The model of Jesus was dying ultimately to himself and what he wanted to do and what was perfect in his idea. In our lives, it translates to we can either be so self-centered, we can be so narcissistic, we can be so focused on ourselves, or we can be focused on others. And we, can, we bear the fruit of either one of those. One wants what's best for us, and sometimes helping others isn't really what's best for us, but it's the right thing at the right time. Right. And uh, young people look to the next video game that's coming out. Maybe they're looking to win the next championship in their sport. Maybe they are just trying to make you know, the A team, the A list when it comes to grades. And so vision for young people is sometimes hard to grasp. And I think that's really important for young people is to understand how to set vision for your life. And not just young people, but even parents. You know, parents, what are your visions for your family? What's your vision as a whole, as a family unit? Do you have a vision or do you not have a vision? We want to talk a little bit more about how you get there and maybe some leading questions to help you plan out really what your vision is and set course in the right direction. And we're going to talk more about these guardrails when we come back. Remember, you can always chat with the live coach tonight, hopenet360.com. Just click on the chat with the live coach button. We're going to take a break and play some more music, and we'll be back with Jake and Dave and myself right here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. So glad that you've joined us. Email us anytime on the show, hope at hopenet360.com. I've said it enough. You guys know it. Now get to it. And connect with us also. Like our page on Facebook, HopeNet360. Or on Twitter, follow us, tweet at us, let us know any thoughts or comments you have during the show tonight or on the podcast. You can also do the same thing, connect email, Facebook, Twitter, all those good things. Check out our website, too, while you're at it, hopenet360.com. All of our past shows are there. You can also subscribe on iTunes if that's easier for you. I don't know what's easier for you these days, but uh, in a world of technology, in a world of media, in a world of self-indulgence and having the here and now, and sometimes we get so wrapped up in what's here and now that we lose sight of the vision. So tonight our topic is talking about vision and how to have vision for your life that's actually modeled after Christ. Joining us on the show, Jake Spielbauer, youth pastor here in at Youth Center, LifeBridge Church. We have links on our website, so check that out. Dave, you had some really good thoughts as we were just heading into break there, so I want to let you just continue on your thread and some of the things that you've been thinking about as we've been talking tonight. I'm concerned as I, as I deal with probably thousands of young people and one of my favorite questions to ask them 
is, you know, what do you want to do in life? I mean, where are you headed? And almost all the time I hear, eh, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure. I guess I'll go to college. I guess I'll do this or whatever. I'm going, you know, th- there's got to be something in your in your bones that is saying, I really want to accomplish this. But for some reason, we've grown up in a, in a very placid, very do-nothing culture where we're just kind of letting every day come and go, and, and we'd like to make it to the end of the day and start over again. And that's really not how we're made, so we're, we're a little frustrated, I think, as a, as a culture. Down the road, as the young people go to Nicolay Bible Institute and I get to talk to them, invariably they'll come to me and say, you know, I'm having trouble trying to figure out this vision thing and where I want to go. And I usually ask them to ask themselves a question. And, and the question is this. You know, what in life would you do for nothing? And, I'm, you know, if they say, well, I just sit on a beach in Tahiti for nothing, I mean, I understand that. We're not talking about that. There, there's other things in life that you would say, you know what, I would love to do this. And, you know, it's interesting, Jeff and Jake, when I ask that question, most of the times their eyes get a little bit of a sparkle in them, and they say something that's very cool. You know, they might say, well, you know what, I've often thought about going down and helping orphans in Haiti, you know. Uh, and, and they get really excited about telling me what they thought about. And then they say, but, you know, there's no way to make money there and et cetera, so I think I'll be a career McDonald's hamburger flipper instead. And, and you're thinking, oh, man, you know, don't give up the vision. Don't give up the hope of, of what you want to do. You know, I, I can still remember as a young person when I wanted to leave my teaching job. I'd gone to Wheaton College, got my master's degree at Northern Illinois, teaching in, in Chicago, and I went to my dad and I said, Dad, you know what, here's what I'd really like to do in life. This teaching gig is okay, but what I'd really like to do is go start the year-round work up in the North Woods at Silver Birch Ranch where there, there's no year-round work, there's no winterized buildings, there's no program. I'd love to do that. And I can remember my dad saying, go for it. That's great. You know, there's no money, there's no way to bring it in, and now 33 years later I'm still here, we're, I'm still working the, the, you know, the grounds and doing the things that we need to do. And I have not felt like the last 32 years, that I've gone to work. I've, I've done the dream that God put in my heart. And how critical it was at a moment for me to have somebody in my life to say, go for it. You know, this is what God put in your heart. Go for it. You know, the mm-hmm. worst thing that could have happened in my brain would, would be to fail. And then I could have just picked up and gone some other way. But not to try and not to, to start to walk towards the dream that God gives me. I mean, my goodness, that that's terrible. And I feel so concern for the generation coming up and maybe jake you can address this maybe you've seen it as well but but i i feel so concerned because it seems like they're believing the cultural lie you just got to do this or do that like kind of like the uh the rich man that jesus talked about the rich fool go make a lot of money make more than you need put it away so that you can eat drink and be merry the rest of your life and and that becomes the dream rather than doing something that god wired us to do totally I think you're exactly right on. And when you ask that question, what it uncovers for, for us is what do you value? You know, what comes first in your life? And, you know, um, when you remove kind of that whole smokescreen of the American dream and the pressure to earn money and secure your job and your education, uh, what really happens is your values are revealed. And I think one of the mistakes that we've made in the church is we've allowed ourselves to become obsessed with this idea that the key to a good life is to get good grades, get into a good four-year school, and get a solid job. And in my interactions in youth ministry, it seems like, man, even in the church, even in families, there's a lot of pressure to conform to kind of that pattern. And the the tough thing about that is, man, it's just not biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Christ didn't call us to a life of financial security and financial ease. Uh, he called us to a life of dependency on him. And yeah, I mean, is God going to call some people to four-year school? Absolutely. Is he going to call some people to be doctors and lawyers and use them for his kingdom in those places and give them mm-hmm. a purpose? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? He's also going to call some of those people to, yeah, drop everything and move to Haiti and live with nothing. He's going to call some people to go to Bible school and go on the mission field or go into church work. And we have to be able to help our students and encourage students um, as as uh, as kind of a network of parents and volunteers and youth leaders, we have to be challenging our young people today to not be kind of mesmerized by this American dream. Because to be honest with you, I think most young people today see right through that. Um, we've seen so many people who get to the top of the ladder. They achieve the money, the success, the fame, uh, the career achievements, all those things. And when they get to the top, they're like, man, is this really all there is? Because when you really take time to examine it, those things are empty, and mm-hmm. they don't offer fulfillment and joy. What offers fulfillment and joy is dependency on Christ, and and so we have to be careful. For young people that are listening today, you know, I hate to say it, but yeah, we have to have a dialogue with parents alike that if you feel pressure to conform to that model, to <clears throat> get the right education and get the the right job just so you can have security for future, that man, that isn't a biblical value system. And we really have to examine that um, and really kind of come to an understanding of what does the Bible value and and what should I be putting first in my life? Well, there's another dynamic to this as well. And I think some parents will probably echo what I'm going to say. And I don't mean it to discourage young people. I don't mean to yell at you or come down on you. There are two different types of young people today. There are young people who are willing to work Mm -hmm. and there are young people who are not. There are young people who will say, if you ask them, what would you do for nothing? Some would say, I would sit on my couch and play video games, which they probably do anyway. It could be your iPod, your, you know, your iPad, whatever, and just dwindle the time away. There are others who do have a very good work ethic instilled into them. There are some that they have parents, they have models that have shown them how to work hard and do what they do well. And you don't have to be a Christian to work hard. We're not saying that at all, but there are two different types of people here. There are young people who are willing to work. There are, others, there are others that just don't want to work, and they feel like that American dream should just come to them, and they're right. entitled to that. Right. And so we want to address that, and if you're listening tonight, I just want to encourage you to take an inventory tonight and figure out what kind of person you are. And I think deep down we, we are wired to work. We know we have to work hard to earn for a living or just to accomplish anything. It takes hard work. It takes time. It takes effort. So. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And my good friend Johnny Sharp, who I know you know, Jeff, um, he said something significant when he spoke at We Work Together at Ignite. And uh, one of the things he said is like, yeah, you know what? If you, if you want to go down that path, you can feel free to go down whatever path you want in life. See where that gets you. Because yeah. at the end of the road, if what's at the end isn't Jesus, you're going to get to the end of that road and you're going to find yourself lonely. And yeah. when you do, remember that Jesus offers something different. I mean, you want to sit on your butt and be lazy and play video games? Yeah, man, that's cool. I went through that stage too. I played a lot of Halo back in my day. But, you know, the thing is, yeah, where's that going to get you? Because yeah. there's going to be a day where in the middle of it all, you're going to take a look at your life and say, man, is this really all there is? And And what we're telling you is not, man, you need to conform to our vision because it's what we say, but... You need to conform to God's vision because, man, he has your best interests at heart. And I know this um, from personal experience. You know, my story, when I got done with college, I had two options on the table. A family friend offered me the possibility of going back to school, offered to pay for my school if Mm. I would go and get a degree in finance, and offered me a job at an investment firm Mm. down in Milwaukee. And, man, that was really tempting. But at the same time, we had an offer to come back up to Green Bay and work full-time in the church. And, 
You know, I had to really call into question at that point. I mean, he was a good family friend, a solid believer, loves God. Well, there wouldn't have been anything wrong with me taking that job. But I had to examine my own heart and say, what do I value in this life? And what do I really want to chase? You know, yep. and I know that my motives for going down that other path would have only been for security and for wealth and for achievement and comfort. And those aren't biblical values. And I knew that coming up here to Green Bay, taking yeah. a job in full-time ministry was something that I was doing because, hey, this is a passion on my heart. And yeah, I don't know all the time where the money's going to come from, but I know God's going to take care of me if I'm being obedient. I, I was just thinking when you, we as adults, we need to make sure that we're giving the right signals. I mean, when you work and, and you want young people to have a good work ethic, sometimes what we're saying is you need to work for things and for money like I work for things and for money. And that's what I think young people are rejecting. It's not just about things and money. Right. I, I think, you know, one of the coolest things was watching my dad work and work hard for nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was working because he loved people. He was working because he gave to people. And, and that set a pattern for me, you know, to go out and, and to have a vision where I could actually work. And the money part of it was somewhat insignificant. Mm-hmm. It was, I am doing what I'm called to do. And, and you know what? This path may make me poor or it may make me rich. And either way, I need to be okay. I, I need to follow the path that God gave me. And mm-hmm. to have adults in my life that reinforced that was very important. Yep. So I'm not I'm not saying to work just for money. I'm saying sometimes the journey is the part of it that matters the most. And right. I think we would all agree on that. We're going to continue this conversation when we come back. Remember, chat with the live coach anytime tonight if you're going through something, if you're just struggling to figure things out in life, and maybe you just want to sort through some of these thoughts you have tonight. Go to HopeNet360.com and chat with the live coach now. And we'll continue this conversation when we come back in a moment here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio, the second half of the show. Remember, you can always email us, hope at HopeNet360.com, with your thoughts and ideas. Get connected with us also on Facebook and Twitter. Can't say that enough. We love hearing from you guys and hearing your story, and we don't want to talk about things that you're not interested in. And tonight in the studio with us, Jake Spielbauer. He's youth pastor at Ignite Youth Center. All the links are on our website, hopenet360.com, under radio and topics tonight. So uh, we've been chatting about vision for your life and how we do that. Today's young people and even adults, young adults, sometimes we struggle to find out what vision for your life really should be like. And Dave, I want to turn it over to you and just give some give some insight and perspective on some of these these two words that we really talk about a lot on the show, and that is security and significance, how we're wired for that. So, Yeah, I think every human being is wired for significance and security. I think every single one of us, that's what we desire more than anything in the world. We, we definitely want to know that our life mattered, and we want to know that that, that can't be taken away. The, the problem is we look for love and we look for significance and, and security in all the wrong places. And we try and be significant with our health or our physique or our, we try and be uh, significant in in money or job or status or home or whatever else. And, and what happens is often God lets us go down that path. And at the end of that path, we feel insignificant because you cannot get significance and security by seeking it. You get it by a position. 
a position that God gives you as his child, and you enjoy being his child, and he actually gives you the gift of significance and the gift of security. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so many times we're in the, what I call the Esau complex. You know I mean? Here Esau comes in from the field one day, and, and he sees this bowl of porridge, and he goes, man, I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the future. I don't care about hey, if I'm going to be around. I, I need to have that now, and, and, man, I'll sell my birthright. I'll, I'll do anything I need to do to get that urge, that desire taken care of. And, and what happens so often is we get so focused on this moment in history, this moment in time, that we are willing to eclipse everything else. And in that process, we actually think that our significance and our security come from that bowl of porridge, <laughs> and, and they don't. And, and what we have to do is start looking up a little bit and saying, wait a minute, I, I can live 10 more minutes without that porridge, and maybe I need to walk out this door. And, and maybe I won't ruin the rest of my life. If you look at in the Bible, it, you know, when they talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it really could have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And Esau gave that up. Uh, and what he was trying to do, I believe, or what he did accidentally, if you want to call it, because he was passive, was I am in the moment right now, but I'm not thinking of the future. I have no vision. And, and so what makes me significant and secure is, is satisfying my urges and desires today. And so I'm going to take care of this, and I'll be okay. He, he just lost it totally. And, and obviously he's an example in the Bible of someone who did it wrong. I, I just want to encourage the young people that are listening. You know, there are going to be moments in life because you haven't looked forward enough and understood the birthright, if you want to call it, or, or what God wants for you, that you're willing to mortgage it all for this urge or this feeling right now because that's all you got. And you're thinking, i got to take care of it. Um, I want to encourage you to get to know God and begin to think forward and think about, you know, what could God want me for? What, what could God have made me for? And how do I get there and start putting some older people in your life to help you get there and think in those terms? Yeah, go to Genesis 25. You can get the information on there. You can read the story of what Esau did and how it relates to kind of get an understanding of what Dave's talking about. It's a story that relates to us in real life and how much we're willing, how far we're willing to go to sell out what we know is right and true and what's laid up in the future for us by just being focused on the here and now. It's like selling your car so you can buy the new MacBook Pro. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's like you need the car more than the computer, but we get so focused on what we want now versus what's going to benefit us even tomorrow. So we're, we live in such a consumer culture, and sometimes that really does poison our vision for our life because what the consumer culture says is you need this, you need this, you need this. If you don't have those, you're a less than. If you don't have those, you don't fit in. If you don't have those, you're, you're meaningless in our society. You're irrelevant because we have those things. We have that stuff. We have the cars. We have the girls. We have the cash. We have all of those things. If you don't have them, what are you doing wrong, essentially? That's what our culture tells us. So to have a right vision is so important. And if we have the wrong one, man, it can lead us down so many wrong paths. And Jake, you talked about that earlier in the show. Again, if you did miss the earlier part of this show, you can always podcast it on iTunes or on our website, hopenet360.com. But Jake, I want to give you a chance just to chat about security and significance, how realizing that in your life made a difference for you. Yeah, right on. And you know, I think my story is one where uh, it's pretty evident that I chased those things in all the wrong ways. And man, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it was in my life that made me feel like I was lacking those things so badly. But for me, man, I just chased them in all of the things of this world. I think the biggest thing, man, I was looking for love. I was looking for attention. I wanted 
you know, to feel value. And unfortunately, those things got perverted, man. When I started chasing after the things of this world, and I look at why, why are so many young people today, why are so many young men and young women increasingly addicted to pornography? It's because of a twisted feeling that in those moments and in those visions and in those, um, those images that they're viewing, that there's some kind of significance or love or value that, uh, that they're finding there that they're not getting elsewhere. And yeah, it's perverted. And yeah, it's twisted. But I know for me in my life, uh, that's, why, that's why I turned to those things. You know, I spent a lot of years of my life addicted to pornography. I spent a lot of years of my life chasing after girls in high school and uh, into college. And, and why was I doing that? At, at the root of it, why was I really doing that? Well, yeah, number one, because it brought pleasure and, and, it, and it felt good to do those things and chase those things. But underneath it all is because, man, I just wanted a feeling of love. And all those sick ways of pursuing it never brought me any real fulfillment. They just led me to more and more hopelessness and despair. And and Dave is totally right. You know, they could never give me significance and security the way that I was uh, hoping to find them. And, and as we're thinking about those things, um, there's a couple of scriptures that come to mind for me. Um, when we talk about security, I think about Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, where God tells Jeremiah, Hey, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Well, man, that's some pretty awesome security there that, number one, you were created by a God who loves you. Your life wasn't an accident, that he cares for you, and he formed you on purpose. Why? Because he wants to be near you and he wants to have a relationship with you. What greater security can there be than that, regardless of anything that goes on in this life? Knowing that God loves you, he cares for you, and he wants to be with you uh, gives us the security we need. And number two, the other scripture uh, that I think about is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when we talk about significance. What's the key to having significance in this life? Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, because he formed us, yeah. um, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you want to talk about how to have significance in this life? Well, it's to do good in Jesus' name, to do good works in Jesus' name. Now, those things don't save us. Doing good works doesn't give us hope, but that's mm -hmm. the purpose that God created you for, that now he wants to use you and change your life and give you a purpose to do good in this world. And, and this real significance comes not from achieving wealth or fame or power. Significance comes from impacting other people's lives for Christ. And that actually, the ironic thing is, that only happens when you put yourself last. Right? This is crazy mm -hmm. idea, this radical idea that Jesus comes down to earth and he's like, hey, you want a life of significance? The key is to put yourself last and put yeah. others first. And it's not to think of yourself as worthless. No, and, not And at that's all. what I think some, some young people really struggle with when they hear about God. The first time they make a mistake in life, they realize or they think God is no longer with me. Like right. I've messed up. I, I've gone too right. far. God will never forgive me. He's never going to use me. I'm damaged. I'm broken. I'm I'm less than, and I couldn't tell you a bigger lie than believing that in your life that God right. is God loves you not based on your accomplishments. God loves you not because that you are good looking, that you have all this stuff, that you have done everything right or perfect. He's not asking you to do that. So step one tonight is to realize number one who God is. It's to realize that He's holy and He's just, but He loves you in spite of your sin, but he also has a plan for you. And it's not based on how good you are in life. It's based on just his unadulterated fatherly love. 
And sometimes if we don't realize that in our life and we begin to think that God is a punitive, manipulative God who requires us to be perfect, you're never going to measure up to that. And it's going to leave you frustrated and disheartened and probably headed down those paths looking for fulfillment in so many other ways. And you realize that, Jake, and I've realized that in my own life. But it's, it's understanding, first of all, that God loves me no matter what. So we can go to him and we can have relationship with him. Now, it's really important that we address the stuff that comes between us because we know we've made mistakes. Once you get that part established, then you can begin that process of beginning to love others more than you love yourself. You, you can begin to give yourself over and, and dine yourself, which Dave talks about over and over. And that's that principle of not letting your, your desires to take over, but it's allowing you right. to be selfless and used for God's glory and, and what his standards are. So uh, we do have to take a quick break here. Again, on HopeNet Radio. Connect with us anytime. HopeNet360.com is our website. Email us, hope at HopeNet360.com with your comments and your insight. We're going to continue this conversation with Dave and Jake as soon as we come back here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. We're glad you joined us tonight. In studio with us, Jake Spielbauer, DW Jeff, your host. And we're glad you've joined us. Email us, hope at hopenet360.com. I'm sure there's something that we've said that's tickled your ears, so we'd love to hear from you. Or just message us on Facebook or on Twitter. Again, we love the conversation when it goes just beyond us. And that's what our intent is tonight. So after we're done on the show, talk with somebody about the things we talked about. Share the podcast when we post it later on. And just ask them to listen to it and see what their thoughts are on it. And we would love to hear more from you guys. So, again, we're chatting about vision. We're chatting about having a relationship with God that really is more than just a faith thing. It's more than just, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's, it's going beyond that and having a right vision for your life. And if you're a young person, a young adult, a parent, how we determine these things, what questions we ask, how we become intentional about the way we live is so crucial in our day and age today in a consumer-driven society. And uh, so, Dave, I want you to pull up, if you would, Hebrews 11. And I want to set up this part of the conversation kind of wrapped around how we start to move forward in our vision. And uh, so Hebrews 11, why don't you just read that a little bit for us? Yeah, you know, Hebrews 11.6 is a phenomenal verse. I, I just love how God makes it so that Dave Wager and anyone else can do these things. He, he doesn't make it impossible to, to love him. He doesn't make it impossible to please him. He really doesn't. And in the sixth verse, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. And it sounds like he does something impossible. No, he says, without faith, but, but you can have faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You know, I am so glad, Jake and Jeff, that God didn't say he rewards those who are perfect. He rewards those who don't fail. He rewards those who, who always do what's right. He rewards those who seek him. I, I can do that, and, and I need to do that today. I need to choose to do that today. And, and then there's this list after this that says, look, let me show you who I'm talking about here. And they talk about Noah and Abraham and all these guys, and you can find their stories in Hebrews 11 and then go into the Old Testament and find them. But the bottom line is these people actually seeked God. They looked for him. As I travel and, and talk and, and talk to the, the people that come through the Nicolay Bible Institute and Silver Birch Ranch, I'm amazed at how many are, are angry with God, how many are disappointed in God. They're not seeking him, and yet they're disappointed in him. 
And I, and I keep telling them, man, if, if you're disappointed in God, if you're angry with him right now, you just don't know him. And I want to invite you to get to know him. And if anyone's listening tonight that's saying, you know what, God's given me a bum deal. God hasn't delivered on his promises. God, God, uh, you know, I'm disappointed in life and in what God did. Now, I want to invite you to get to know him first because I, I believe you don't know him if that's how you feel. And, and Jake and Jeff, either I'm off base or I'm on base. You guys can let me know. But I, I, really, I really want to invite our listeners. If there is, is, is this seed of bitterness at all or anger or, or, or disappointment in God, I, I would love for you to go grab the Bible and, and look at God again and get to know him. I, I had a friend from the jungle in Venezuela. His wife died of malaria. And they, they had young boys. They're in the mission field, good friends of mine. All of a sudden she died. And, and he was back here in the States talking to me, and he was just totally destroyed. And he said, I'm doing something. He went out and he bought a brand-new Bible. Mm-hmm. And he went to a motel room, and he locked himself in it, and he read that thing cover to cover. <laughs> and, and when he came back and, and, and met with me again, he said, thanks, Dave, I'm okay now. I, I'm not okay <laughs> in that I'm not going to be grieving or whatever. But what he did was he went back and he sought God. He said, you know, God, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. This is hurtful. I don't know how you're going to do but, but what he said was, I am going to go read again from cover to cover. I'm going to get to know God again. And in that process, he was okay. And I want to tell our listeners, it's something we can do. We can seek him. Mm-hmm. And if we're not seeking him, that's the first thing we've got to straighten out. You know, I look at my life, and I don't know that I can say that I've ever been in a place where I was disappointed at God or that he's really disappointed me. What I've found in, in my life is that the things that I wanted in my life ended up not being what God wanted for me. And as soon as I realized that the things that I wanted, the stuff that I was trying to go after weren't what God wanted for me, I realized that God hadn't let me down. My desires had let me down and what I wanted let me down and my vision let me down. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. Now, for some people who are listening, there are things that have happened in their life that were out of their control. So often we wrap our lives around the things that we try to control and, and make work out for our benefit. It could be a job. It could be a relationship. It could be uh, just a, an overall situation. We feel like this is the perfect scenario, and if it doesn't work out, it's really disappointed us and let us down. Now, there are others who have really been through an abusive part in, in a life, maybe an abusive relationship um, or even things that happened in the home. Jake, have you ever had a time in your life where you really felt that God had let you down? I think I can definitely relate to what you said. Um, I think as I look back at times in my life, there's no specific instances that jump to mind, but every time that I feel like I've come to a place where I was stagnant or disappointed in my walk with God, ultimately the Bible has pointed me back inside myself and at the desires that I had that came up empty and came up short. And um, I think more of a problem for me rather than disappointment with God is oftentimes, and I think that probably any students listening to this who have been maybe growing up in church or been involved in a youth group can relate to is I, I grow bored of God at times. And I think that's been a bigger struggle for me and, and really one of the things in my heart that's probably a little uglier. And I think that what I try to communicate to our students and what I've tr- learned in my own life is that when you come to a place of being disappointed or, you know, in other cases, bored with your understanding of God, then listen, you don't know him. You don't have, you don't have an yeah. accurate knowledge of him. You don't know who he is because, man, if you know him, there is no possible way to be bored with him. And, uh, and so what I challenge our students to do is, man, if, if you're bored or you're disappointed with God, then you need to seek a greater knowledge of him because the God of the universe is not disappointing. He's not boring in a relationship with him is 
amazing and exciting. And so I look at scriptures like Second Peter chapter 3. Peter encourages whoever's reading to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's one of the callings of the Christian is not to sit in one place, but to constantly be seeking to grow in our, in our knowledge of, of the Lord, to grow in our knowledge of who God is. And that only comes through seeking his word. And, and the more that we turn to scripture to show us who God is, the more we experience him in a day, on a day-to-day basis. And, and I know that to be true in my own life. When there's something in my heart that causes me to feel those feelings towards God, it's, it's not because of anything in him. It's because the problem is, is what's going on in my own heart. And the only cure for what's going on in my heart is the truth of his word. And so as I continue in his word, I mean, I think about even the effect that the scripture Dave had. As I hear about seeking the Lord and how God responds to us when we mm-hmm. seek, him, seek him out, uh, man, it just it, it, what it does in my heart is it just makes me passionate about him to think about him loving us that way and rewarding us for seeking him. That expands my knowledge of God and the more that I learn about him. Because I'm telling you, you can try to, uh, to, to come to a place where you know everything about God. You can try to come to a place where you think you can really wrap your head around who he is and, mm-hmm. and you've really arrived and you get God. Man, it's just like a drop in the ocean. You know, it's like trying to wrap <laughs> your arms around the whole earth. You know, I, I've, yeah. I've used that that uh, example before, you know, you want to think about what it's like to wrap your arms around God, lay down on the floor on your stomach, stretch your arms out and imagine that God's the earth. And that's about how much we understand of God um, in our limited understanding. I like what you said there, Jake. I think you said it better than I did. Not being disappointed with God, but bored with God. And what changed that in my life is I was forced to pray a more dangerous prayer in my life. Everybody gets to a point in their faith journey where they feel like God isn't listening, or he's not with them, or whatever, the situations that are coming up, you feel like God's just abandoned you. And I've found that I can either go down that road and and despair and think, oh, God's left me. But what I end up finding is that I needed just to start to pray dangerous prayers. I needed to actually move. See, God isn't just a God who's up there. He's, He's a creator of the universe. He looks down. He's got everything in control. He's given us his law and his word and all that. The Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd. And what a shepherd does is he nurtures his sheep, he guides his sheep, he leads his sheep, he moves them from one pasture to another good pasture. And sometimes, just like sheep, we like to stay in the same spot. And in my life, I started to pray more dangerous prayers, and they, they began something more like, God, I don't know where you are, but I want you to show me more of who you are. That was one of the more dangerous prayers that I have, because as soon as you pray something like that, God will show up. He's going to give you his word. When you get into his word, it gets even more dangerous because then you realize what God expects and he expects more and more and more. That's the thing about knowledge is the more knowledge that you have, just like with a job or a career, the further you go with your education, the more responsibility you put on yourself. You know, you're qualified to be able to move up in a company or something. You also then have more responsibility with that. And so that's just the same way in the kingdom of God, the more knowledge you have of God's word the more he holds you to that. And then you got to take bigger steps and you can't just stay in one spot. If you stay in one spot, God just says, you know what? You're going to need to go through what I'm going to put you through kind of the same way that Job did. Job was sifted. He didn't deserve it by his own good standards, but God found him to be noble and righteous and able to, to stand up to that. And God had other plans in mind. And uh, so Dave, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about that. If you've ever prayed a dangerous prayer, what your dangerous prayer was, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Two favorite people of mine. Uh, in the Bible, is David with Goliath and Elijah on Mount Carmel. And and I love looking at Elijah's prayer. I mean, there's a moment there where he just said to the people who didn't know God, you don't know God. And he mm-hmm. prayed, today, God, show them who you are. 
and then he went and he put all his water on the on the on the altar and all kinds of things like that, so that everybody would know there's no shenanigans going on here. <laughs> that that he he made it so that it couldn't happen humanly. He actually went out and made it so that it could not happen in a human realm. And then he said to God, God, today, show them who you are. And and I'm thinking. That is the prayer that I think is, is my dangerous prayer. When I get up in the morning, it's like, God, today, show those who don't know you who you are through me, through us, through what we do here. And, boy, that could mean that i got to stand there and throw water on an altar and make it so that nobody else, so that everybody knows it, it's not us. Hmm. And, and I'm not sure that uh, we understand that, that that is where the thrill in life is. Uh, that's my dangerous prayer, you know, for, for what it's worth. It's one of those really uh, captivating ones where almost every day I pray that. We're going to take a break and play some more music. Keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. We're wrapping up the show with Jake Spielbauer, Jeff DW, here with you. And we're glad that you have joined us on the show tonight. Again, connect with us. Hope at HopeNet360.com is our email. You can also connect on Facebook and Twitter after the show. Subscribe on iTunes. Get the podcast. Listen to past episodes. And check out hopenet 360 Dot com. All that stuff is there for you to check out. Also, to chat with the live coach, just go to HopeNet360.com on our front page, and you'll find that as well. Just click on the chat with the live coach button. I think, uh, Jake, I'd love you to respond to the idea that, that so many times it seems like our young people seem to be want to am- amuse themselves with God rather than be amazed by him. And those two words kind of play in my head. It's like, no, if you only want to be amused by God like you are with a movie or something else, that's nice, but that's not going to go anywhere. When, when you're amazed by him, you're, you're like Elijah. I mean, then you're standing there going, I want you to know God, and I will take extraordinary measures for you to know him because I know him. Yeah, me. no, I think we're guilty of a lot of times in church culture. We just expect to be amused or entertained, and probably something that I think is really harmful to the church and to youth groups across the country, especially in this culture. We expect God to amuse us, to entertain us. We think a church should have big flashy lights, should have loud rock music, uh, that the pastor should be super engaging and should tell great stories because that's what is going to amuse us and entertain us. And we use that language all the time. Like, we're looking for what's going to feed me. I'm looking for a place where I get fed, right? Well, the story of what God's people are called to be is is not people who look to get spoon-fed um, or amused or entertained by God, but people who are amazed at God. And And I think the difference is really a question of focus. When you're looking for God to amuse you, the focus is really on yourself and what I want and my needs and what's going to make me feel content. And and really, if we look at what the Bible is all about, the call of Jesus to be a disciple isn't about focusing on yourself. It's about turning that focus towards others and turning your focus towards God. And so turning that focus inward and focusing on self-contentment, self-fulfillment, self-absorption, those things are completely opposite to being close to God, to being near to God. And uh, and I think that's a mistake that we make in our walks with God all the time is we expect him to amuse us. But mm. you know what? God isn't some gimmick. He's not some kind of trick to provide us with a little bit of fulfillment and a little bit of contentment here and there. God is someone who amazes and is so much bigger than we can even 
comprehend. And it's only when we turn that focus outward and start to focus on him, who he is and what he's done for us, that, man, he starts to amaze us. And we see examples of that in Scripture all the time. If we go back to our discussion that we just had on dangerous prayers, Dave referenced the story of David and Goliath, which you can find in 1 Samuel 17, by the way, as well as the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, which you can find in 1 Kings 18. God didn't just amuse people there. He didn't just Mm -hmm. perform a little magic trick for people's entertainment. God did incredible things that left the people stunned and amazed because that's the character of who he is. You know, I think about a lyric, and I just have to plug this, and Jeff, this will make you smile. If you've ever listened to Propaganda, Propaganda is a great Christian rapper, um, does some amazing stuff. He talks about, man, if you're trying to defend God, it's like defending a lion. He doesn't need your help, you yeah. know? Um, if you're trying to be amused by God, you're missing the point because you put your focus on him, yep. and, dude, he just he just amazes. Uh, he doesn't need the help of trying to entertain. And, and that's really what I try to teach our students at Ignite is to just put their focus on him and be amazed by him. Um, really what I'm passionate about doing in ministry is raising up a generation of young people who are mature disciples. And that means that they have the focus in their life turned outward towards others and towards God. And they can stand on their own two feet because God is guiding them. God is leading them. Mm-hmm. I think so many times in the church, we're guilty of holding students' hands yeah. and thinking that, man, you know, we really need to hold their hand, help them kind of grow up. And maybe when they're adults, they can do big things for the kingdom. And mm-hmm. man, I'm just not about that. I think that the call of Jesus for young people is right now and that they can do big things right now and they yeah. can challenge themselves to grow in huge ways right now and seek him. And that's what we try to do at Ignite is mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday nights, whether it's through what we're doing at youth group and what we're teaching on or through the interactions that our volunteers are having with students or through what we're challenging our students to do and have an impact in the life of other students. That's what we want to produce is students who can stand on their own two feet, mm-hmm. have an impact for the kingdom of God and, and really be mature purposeful disciples now because the call of Jesus is not for 10 years down the road when you get your life together. The call of Jesus is right now, hey, leave your nets behind and let's go. Jake, as a person who was in youth ministry for quite a few years, and I look at what I do now, it's still in youth ministry. It's still being a voice into people's lives that impacts the kingdom of God. And you can be a teenager, you can be a young adult. Hopefully I'm speaking to parents as well and trying to build a bridge and understand what's going on in our young people. But Jake, I think one of the hardest things in youth ministry for me was being a place where people could just come and be and not worry about stresses and pressures and all that stuff and fitting in and all that. We wanted to to create space to have people come in. The other side of it is you want to challenge young people to become disciples. Now, the way Jesus did it was he had a lot of people following him, and one day he gave the eat my flesh and drink my blood speech, and everybody left except the 12. And discipleship is much the same way, that as soon as you start to impose maybe some expectations or challenge or push, sometimes what young people end up doing, and even us parents, is we end up just pushing back and walking away. What what are you guys doing at Ignite to kind of work with both of these these challenges? One, to build disciples. The other part, just to be and have a place where young people can come and feel like they can be themselves. Right, yeah. And there's, there's really two parts to that is we want to engage young people. We want to meet them where they're at. We want to invite them to just, hey, come and be. We just want to know you. We want to uh, just be a part of your life. And also then to call them to something greater. 
Um, and so we do both of those things at Ignite. And one of the, the things that we're doing or a couple of things we're doing to really engage students in that way is uh, within the last year, we opened up a cafe actually out of the back of our church called the Ignite Cafe. And we just got licensed this year. It's a little coffee shop that we run and we open it up after school. Right now we're open up Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. And it is exactly that, just a place for students to come and be. Our vision is just to have this little coffee shop as a place for students to connect, to come, hang out, get something to drink, work on homework. We've got free Wi-Fi. We have good music on all the time. And, yeah, we just want to offer students a place to just come be and and, and do their thing, connect with one another, to connect with some people who love them, care about them, and want to just get to know them, know what's going on in their life. We also offer a tutoring program through the cafe that we use to uh, help some adults that, with an education background that love the Lord to get connected with students. Mm. Um, and so uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m., we have tutoring available um, in all subjects for students in grades 7 through 12, uh, which is the age group that we really target with uh, the Ignite Cafe. And I think that's one of the cool things about it is, man, this is a place for students, especially for them. And there aren't a whole lot of places like that in the community. And so we uh, we offer those things. Actually, if you want to check out some info on that for yourself, you can hit up IgniteGB.com as our website. We are on uh, Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, we are at IgniteYourHeart. And uh, you can find us on Facebook find our page, the Ignite Cafe, and you can check out info there. And so we have info on the tutoring program as well as what we're doing at the cafe to connect with young people. Um, and then also, obviously, we want to challenge them to something greater, which is where our Wednesday night comes. Yep. Wednesday nights come in. And, man, on Wednesday night, we just bring the truth and just try to be really upfront and, uh, and honest about uh, what God's Word says. And uh, our whole approach or our idea of wanting to challenge students to something greater that comes through on Wednesday nights because what we teach and what we study is challenging stuff. And, yeah. man, we're going to challenge young people to be something greater, to have a greater vision, and mm-hmm. to uh, to seek out what God has for them in this life. So. All right, all those links, if you missed any of them, will be on our website, hopenet360.com, and also on our Facebook page. We've shared our article there. You can check that out for yourself. We're going to wrap up the show here, and we're kind of running short on time tonight. But if you've missed any part of this show tonight, remember you can always podcast it. Hopenet360.com is our website. You can also find Hopenet Radio on iTunes and subscribe there as well if you do that sort of thing. Uh, we'll be back again next week chatting about maybe more Christmassy stuff. And uh, it's hard to believe that Christmas is coming up so fast. But tonight I think this is so appropriate, setting right vision for your life. So connect with us, Facebook, Twitter, email us, hope at hopenet360.com. Look up HopeNet360 on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us that way. So for Dave, Jake, and Jeff here on HopeNet Radio, thanks for joining us. Tune in again next week. We'll see you guys online and, of course, next week. 